Check, check, check. Testing, testing, testing. One, two, three. Still Are we work. on? It still works. It still works? <laughs> wow. Surprisingly. All right. I had to blow some of the dust off and everything <laughs> else, but uh, we're here. We're here. It's no one asked us. I'm Logan. He's Craig. Uh, it's been a while. It's been about a month and a half since we've uh, hopped on here to talk with you. Uh, loyal listeners, loyal viewers, uh, those of you that are here joining us live on YouTube or wherever you're watching, thank you and welcome uh, to those of you that are going to listen back to this later on uh, on YouTube or again, wherever else you're, you're listening. Uh, thank you for joining in then as well. Uh, it's As I said, it has been a while since we've uh, hopped on here. Craig, we've both been a little busy, but I think one of us has been uh, particularly uh, more busy the last few weeks. Uh, we'll get into some of that stuff. I know you got a big day coming up here in a few weeks. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> uh, but some news has happened uh, in the world of, of Illinois sports, Illinois basketball in particular. We want to touch on that. Uh, some big news dropped today. Uh, a bomb of sorts dropped from the world of golf. Uh, I know you're going to have some some thoughts on it. I have questions. I'm not sure you're going to have answers. Nope. Uh, but we'll get into some of that. Uh, a TV show ended a couple weeks ago that I know you and I were both uh, big fans of, and I know we, we've we kind of wanted to talk about that. So uh, plenty to do, plenty to talk about. Plus there's baseball going on. Both of our teams are absolutely in the – We don't have to talk about that. We don't have to talk about that. All right. Uh, well, your Cardinals jersey in the corner uh, <laughs> might beg to differ. Um, once again, this is No One Ask Us, episode 93. It's June 6th, uh, coming to you here about 6 o'clock Eastern time on tuesday craig how are you you good hanging in there you've been been busy you've had a lot going on yeah there's been some highs and some lows in the last uh two weeks to a month that uh that have caused for a wide range of emotions we'll just put it that way um but yeah we're good we're hanging in there all the planning is pretty much done there are still a couple things we need to finalize and a couple more things we need to get ordered. Um, for the most part, all the planning is done and now it's just getting to the day, you know, you are of course referring to your wedding, uh, which is which is coming up here uh, in a few weeks. Um, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited that we get to see each other in person. There's going to be a long time. <laughs> hundred some other people there that you're going to have to, uh, you know, give your attention to and that's fine. Uh, but you and I have not, been in the same room since you came to South Bend uh, for an Illinois Notre Dame game, which would have been maybe? 2019. 19, I think it was 2019. Like um, but yeah, we we talk every day almost, yeah. and we've chatted with each other virtually uh, once a week, roughly every week or so for the past however many years. But we have yeah. not been in the same room together. So I personally am looking forward to that, uh, but of course I'm excited to see to see you guys and be there for your wedding as well. You uh, might know I, a total of six other people at the you know what at the place. But honestly, man, that's fine. That's fine. It's, it's going to be, be a blast. We got a it's lot of be a good cool time. things planned. It's going to be fun. That is the uh, third of three weddings I have to go to uh, yeah. starting this weekend. Yeah. Um, so going to be doing a lot of time, uh, spending a lot of time on the road, Allison and I, uh, in the car, uh, in the old Nissan rogue, going to put some miles on, on the car, um, uh, to travel, uh, 
I would say clear across the Midwest. I'm actually going to be in Louisville the yeah, weekend before your that. wedding. Yeah. Um, stay. I'm actually staying in a hotel south of Louisville Friday night. Uh, also, be back up there again. I don't know what you got going on. Maybe we'll see each other. Maybe we won't. Uh, I don't know if we way, can handle two weekends in a row. I don't think we can. <laughs> might be a little too much. Might be a little too much. All right. Um, anything else you want to touch on before we get into this thing? I know you got a lot of other stuff going on in your life, which has kind of kept us away from doing these shows a little more regularly. Yeah. But uh, we, yeah. we planned on doing a show last weekend or last mm-hmm. week mm-hmm. Um, when all of the NBA announcements were going on. Uh, things have, things have happened. Both of us were a little preoccupied. You had some stuff going on. I had some stuff going on. So we weren't able to do a show then. Uh, but we figured this week when we both had a little bit of downtime, uh, we could, we could do that. Yeah. Those Um, of, uh, those of you that watch us on YouTube might've met Lola. We did have to make a decision to put Lola down last week on, uh, a day when we decided we thought we were going to have a show. She just had some, some health issues that she couldn't overcome and they had been lingering for a while. Um, so we did put Lola down. So that's been the lows of the last couple of weeks that I've been telling that I was mentioning, but, um, yeah, so we had to get through that, but, uh, I'm happy to be back on here. Uh, I took a trip home the next day to get my mind off of things. You know, we, Christy continued to go to work, so we're getting there, but, uh, yeah, definitely going to miss her, but, uh, I'm excited for the next couple of weeks with the wedding and, you know, getting into some more normalcy, uh, with football and ball ball coming up within like a month or a month and a half. So. So, yeah, it's been tough, but uh, excited to be here and, and get my mind off of things and talk some sports we haven't talked in, in a long time. One more personal question before we get into the brunt of this show. Yeah. How's your softball season going? Oh, yeah. Um, I have to miss my first game tomorrow. Tomorrow we play on Wednesday nights. Um, I have to miss my game for my uh, my bachelor party. I'm heading out tomorrow night. So uh, I think we're I think we're three and two maybe. We were three. Yeah, we were three and one. We lost last week. Um, it's, it's slow pitch softball. Um, they're like 25 to 20 games. Um, we've had a couple, we've had a couple low scores, but we're okay. Um, there's, there's, uh, we got some, some big hitters that if the game's early enough in the day, they, they show up, but a couple of our games have started at like nine 30 and he works like at three in the morning. So he's like, yeah, I'm not going to make those. So. So you're not one of the big hitters. I'm not a big hitter. I'm more of an average guy. You know, okay. I, I've got okay. probably I'm probably hitting about 550 on the season. Oh wow! Yeah, um, okay. I, I normally like one for two or two for three type of, but but they're all singles. Really don't really get it out of the infield, but uh, it's fun. It's uh, after the first week, I was like. Uh, yeah, I can't just show up and play softball. I'm going to need my body to, to warm up, and I'm going to need to stretch a little bit because I think I pulled about five muscles that first game. So, But it's good. It's uh, I, had never, I hadn't played in like a league like that since SIU. I played in one yeah. rec softball league. Same. So it's been like 12 years since I did any of that, 10, 12, 13 years. So yeah. it's fun. Well, that's awesome. Uh, all right, we've been on here for about 10 minutes or so. We haven't yep. even got into this conversation. So let's just start with Illinois basketball. Uh, That's the thing that we've spent most of our time talking about on this show for the last few years. Um, Before we get into the conversation, I want to preface this by saying, I don't think anybody's coming to us for this. We're not going to break any news here. Um, Literally nothing that we're going to tell you is new information. Uh, We are getting our same information from the same sources that all of you are. The same 
uh, podcasts, the same news articles, the same message boards. So all we're going to provide is just our in our opinion on the situation. Um, so if you are here and you do have comments or questions, feel free to drop them in the comments section. Uh, and as I said, we'll give you some thoughts, we'll give you some opinions, but we're not here to to really break any news because quite frankly, that's really not our job. And we're several days late on all of this. So yeah. uh, it was a big 48, 24 hours, really uh, 24, 48 hours uh, towards the end of last week for the Illini. Uh, we'll start with the first things that happened, which were the good um, Illinois, the last day for players to pull out of the NBA draft to return to college was on Wednesday. I believe, is that how it played out? Uh, of last week. And uh, yes, there were times throughout the entire off season, really dating all the way back to some point middle of last season, where you thought maybe you'd get Terrence Shannon back. Maybe you'd get Coleman Hawkins back. Uh, maybe, but it wasn't likely you were going to get both. We heard all these reports about who was looking at who, how high somebody was going to get drafted. Um you know, who else were they going to get? What was this team going to look like? And I think to the surprise of many, um, both Terrence Shannon and Coleman Hawkins announced that they would be returning to Illinois for one more season, uh, which, as I said, was probably a surprise to most people, probably even to the two of them. Uh, I listened to Coleman talk on um, Tay and Piper's show yep, uh, last week. And he basically, I mean, he said that he waited till the absolute last second to make that decision, which I believe um, he, you know, he was doing some trolling of Illini fans all day on Twitter, which I was getting a kick out of. Uh, but I believe both him and Terrence waited until the last possible second. To Did you see his dad on Twitter? I don't know if I saw that. Um, what did his dad say? John Rothstein tweeted a picture of a handle of Tito's vodka and said a necessity for anyone covering uh, like portal season or whatever. Yeah. And Rod responded, said, try being a dad or try being the dad. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. So I'm the Hawkinses sure. were dominating the Twitter game last week. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's, that's all good news for Illinois. Uh, yeah. They return now. Uh, they're two most, most important pieces of two of the three best players from last season. If you want to put Matthew Meyer in that conversation, you can. Um, but these are the two biggest pieces you needed. And you got them both back. Um, they went. Through the draft process, they both heard from from the scouts, from the teams. They know what they need to improve on, uh, and so now they're now they're going to be back in Champaign, and you're going to get them both for one more season, um, and hopefully that leads to that leads to positive things for the Illini. Uh, we'll kind of talk a little bit one on about you know each of them individually. I, I think Terrence Shannon was, I think in a lot of people's minds was maybe the most pro ready of the two of them yep. uh, was the higher one on most draft boards. Um, but I don't, th I think he showed a while he had his moments last year where he showed like he could be a legitimate pro prospect. Uh, it, it wasn't a complete, it wasn't a complete package. And I think that's what he learned throughout the process. Um, and that's ultimately what drove him to come back. Um, he was a, the only, he was a, a first team, was he, he was first team all conference last year, all big mm -hmm. 10 last year. So, mm -hmm. you know, you have to factor, have to figure he's going to be in the conversation for, you know, conference player of the year. Zach Eady will obviously be there. So that's the front runner, but, uh, you know, Taryn Shannon is, is a, you know, going to be a returning all conference player. Um, 
the most important piece of the offseason. Um, there's a lot of other factors that could have gone in here. We'll talk about the point guard situation here soon. Um, but the most important piece for this team was to have a ter- if was to have Terrence Shannon back. And if not to have Terrence Shannon back, to have somebody in that spot, to be the go-to guy, to be the go-to scorer, uh, to be the leader, to be the, the, the experienced player. Are you yawning or yeah. are you seeing no, something I was, no, that I was yawning. you want to react to? I saw, okay. yawning. I'm sorry. I, thought, I didn't know if you were like reacting to something you no. saw. Okay. No. I am, I am on Twitter here just in case something I happens. Figured, so. I figured. I am listening um, though. The point is Terrence Shannon is back. And I think that was the most important piece. Uh, somewhat unexpected. I, I do think he was kind of wavering the most. I think down the stretch, I think we thought he was the most likely to return of the two. Uh, so when he announced he was coming back, it wasn't a huge shock, uh, but it was the biggest piece. Yes. Um, without him, there was no go-to guy. Correct. There was no score. There was no one you could count on to get at least 10, hopefully 15 a night. There was no one on this roster. So as important as point guard was, and we'll talk point guard next, I'm sure. Like you, I, I agree with everything you said. Terrence Shannon was the one, it was 1A and 1B he, right there with point guard as the most important offseason uh, piece. And if, if Terrence stayed in, they were kind of screwed because you would have hoped that if he was going to the draft, he would have decided in March so you could go get someone in the portal to replace him. So they're lucky that he came back. And again, as we do on this show all the time, we are in agreement here that it makes no sense in the world as to why Coleman would stay in and Terrence would not. Terrence is a much more pro ready prospect in my opinion. Um, As obviously they're both coming back. So it's kind of doesn't matter, but um, yeah, I was, uh, Coleman somewhat surprised me, but the longer that it, it drug on, the more confident I was that he was coming back to Illinois. Yeah. Uh, real quick on the Terrence thing. I think had you lost Terrence Shannon, you would have really missed Jaden Epps. Yeah. Um, I think Jaden Epps leaving was multiple. There was a multiple layers to that. He wasn't a true point guard. That's what this team needed. Uh, but if you didn't have Terrence Shannon, I think Jay Nepps could have somewhat filled that void. Not as the go-to guy, not as, you know, 16 a game, whatever. I don't remember what Shannon averaged, but that wasn't going to be him. But I think he would have helped fill that void. And after he left, yes, they brought in some key pieces. And we'll talk about some of those pieces again because, I mean, we already have several weeks ago. But um, that would have been a nice, at least, you know, something to fall back on. Uh, but Terrence came back. You don't have to worry about it now. You have your go-to guy. As far as Coleman goes, yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, he was – he seemed to be the one most likely to go. Uh, Coleman had said some – you know, he was probably the most vocal player from this team last year, yep. uh, was very open with the media, made the comment to John Rothstein, you know, when the process started that if he was going to come back to Illinois, he wanted to see a more experienced roster. Um, you know, uh, he'd already, you know – kind of flirted with transfer stuff in the past. Uh, He's a California kid, really has no ties to the Midwest, you know? So like that was, to me, that was the least, he was the least likely to go. And it's not because I do agree that I think Terrence Shannon was the most pro ready right now, 
But I think Coleman Hawkins' game translates better to what the current NBA is. The problem with Coleman is that he's not quite to the level that they need him to be. He's good at a lot of things, but he's not great at any of them. Um, he is a, you know, he's a stretch four. He can, he can, you know, he can, he's a good passer. He's a good facilitator. He's an okay shooter. Uh, he's a good rebounder. He does the things that you want somebody like that to do, but he's not great at any of it. So sounds like what he heard from the NBA uh, is going to involve, you know, being a better shooter, just shooting more in general. I don't think he's a particularly bad shooter. I think that he just passed up on those opportunities a lot. And maybe that was just him, um, you know, being that type of personality. Maybe that was because he thought that, you know, there were other guys on the court that are better scorers than he is. And maybe some of those things are true. But I think what he learned is that if he's going to have a future in the NBA, which it sounds like, you know, he thinks he can, he's got to be more willing to shoot. And that's going to come with building confidence to just become a better shooter. So yeah. I think getting back, him back was was the most surprising. But I agree with what you said. I think the longer we waited, I think I felt more confident that he was going to stay. Yeah, I mean, you're echoing exactly what he said on uh, on uh, the drive with Tay and right. Piper. Some of that was um, yeah. the NBA scout said, "Shoot the ball, dude! Shoot the ball, dude!" Um, and I had this thought while he was talking. I was like. There is no one that annoys me more that I'm happier to see back in orange and blue than Coleman Hawkins. <laughs> if that makes sure, if that makes sense. Sure. I mean, every game, it's like we gave the the hand on the head moment of some Coleman Hawkins decision or something, but he was right there with Terrence's important pieces of this offseason. So, um, yeah, I'm ecstatic that they're both back. I think there are a borderline top 25 team as it stands right now. Um, if you don't have either of them, you're squarely on the bubble, maybe outside looking in. Yeah. If you have one of the two, you're probably more comfortably in the field, but still probably on the bubble. So to have them both right. back, it should be um, – there might be a little sweating on Selection Sunday because I definitely don't think this team's a lock for the tournament yet. But I would I, I would put it at like 80-90% lock with both of them back. So it, overall, that aspect of last week was fantastic, obviously, getting both of them back. Let me ask you this. Um, I guess I know partially why you're saying what you just said. But on paper, do you think this team is worse than last year? I, I don't see how that's possible. I really don't. I mean, yes, you're losing a good scorer in Matt Meyer, uh, but he was as streaky as anybody else. Um, yes, Sky Clark was a non-factor. Jaden Epps provide you, provided you some stuff. J- RJ Melendez did next to nothing. I like the guy. I would have liked to see him stay, but I mean, I'm just looking at it on paper. We know the point guard thing. We'll talk about the point guard thing, yeah. and I understand that that's – but that was an issue last year. And yes, this team had its flaws. I would venture to guess that this team is better than a top twenty. You think? No. Well, maybe. I'm just saying because you're you were talking about sweating out on Selection Sunday. I don't think this is a bubble team. I think this team's better than a bubble team. I guess sweating out wasn't the right word because I yeah, this team should make the tournament. I guess. Uh, the better term is this this team won't be wearing white in the first round 
they'll be wearing their dark colored. I mean, I, I certainly think that that's that's on the table. Yeah. Um, I I do I do for the most part like what they built. They didn't exactly check all the boxes, and that's something we we do plan on talking about. Uh, but just getting those two guys back was was a huge step forward yeah. because we didn't know what this team was going to look like. Uh, we've se- we had seen ago. we had seen the additions uh, that they had made already, and the additions of Damask and Garrier and Harmon uh, were indi- indicative that uh, this team was going to get was going to be older, wanted to be older. Uh, they kind of filled holes, but they weren't like go to guys. So. Um, I, I don't disagree with you, but I think they're, I mean, I think they're better than a bubble team, but I, yeah. I see what you're saying. I, I do think they could definitely be, you know, I could see this season as the roster stands right now going very much like last year, you know, you it could 20, 22 wins, double digit losses, and you're between a six and a 10 seed. I just, I want to think that the experience will play a factor. Yeah. Last year, the experience was, was not good. This team had yeah. no experience. Yeah. Um, TJ Shannon and Matt Meyer were the only guys that had seen significant minutes at the Division One level. Coleman Hawkins was a bench piece the year before, and nobody else had even touched the floor in a college game. Now you're looking at your entire rotation being fit fourth and fifth year guys, um, plus a couple sophomores. But I mean, I maybe. It's how, possible you're. It's possible you're right, but I I many, want to credit. I want to give a little bit of credit to the to the experience that this team will have in those type of situations. Well, how many of the transfers has have NCAA postseason experience? Damascus does not. Harmon, I believe, does not. None. I mean, uh, uh, Harmon played in the NIT. Um, no. I mean, none. Very little, if any. Two at Syracuse, two at Oregon. Yeah. I don't know. No, that's true. That's fair. So there's ex- there's college experience, but there's not winning in the postseason experience, which is ha- going to be hard to find in the transfer that's portal fair. because if you're winning in the postseason, why are you going to you would yeah. transfer? No, that's so. fair. That's fair. Um, but okay. I do I do agree. I like the I like when there are more upperclassmen than underclassmen. We'll just put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so those were the two good things that happened. That yeah. were both of those things were rather surprising, somewhat surprising things that happened positively for Illinois last week. Uh, the day following was the day that Ray J. Dennis announced what he was going to do. Ray J. Dennis is not a name that we've talked about on this show. We did not bring him up in the past because he was just kind of a name out there that there was really no actual connectivity. Huh? Did I ever tweet about him? I don't know. I don't know if you ever did. Did you? <laughs> I can't remember. Um, we I planned on talk on talking about Ray J. Dennis, but we just never did a show around that time. So whatever. If you're listening to this show, if you're watching the show, I'm almost positive you know who Ray J. Dennis is. I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about him because he's essentially at this point a non-factor. But if you don't know, let's just lay it out. Illinois went into the transfer portal season not knowing that they needed a point guard, knowing that they desperately needed an experienced point guard, passing on any possible point guard they came up because they thought they had their guy already. They thought they knew who their guy was and that he was eventually going to enter the transfer portal and that they were going to be able to get him. I know that you have thoughts and I'm, I will get to you, sir. Um, 
But that's what happened. Ray J. Dennis, eventually he was, he's a Chicago guy from the suburbs, um, started at Boise State, played two years there, transferred to Toledo, ended up being the MAC player of the year last year. Great point guard. Uh, they thought that he was the perfect fit for this team. Um, as he, he, he enters into the portal, he visits Illinois, he visits Baylor, he visits Utah, he visits Michigan. Illinois still thinks they're the front runner. They're going to get him. They're going to land him. They're going to land him. All of a sudden, he doesn't go to Illinois. He ends up at Baylor. So now Illinois, who sat and watched every point guard uh, enter the portal and leave the portal, uh, were left essentially with nothing. Uh, not a little bit more than nothing. Uh, and we'll talk about Jeremiah Williams, too. Um, but they don't get him. They don't get Ray J. Dennis. Going into Wednesday, you had three boxes you were hoping to check. And you checked the first two, but you couldn't get the third. Um, and that sucks because we knew going into the offseason that that was going to be the biggest void. Um, Brad last year gave the keys to the car to a couple of freshmen, quote unquote, point guards. Uh, that ended up in flames. Um, and this is where we're at. So. I know you had a, your thoughts on it, your opinions on the Ray J. Dennis situation. Yes, you did. You were very vocal on Twitter, and I know you received a lot of a lot of negativity towards it. Um, I you weren't. I don't think you were wrong at any point. Uh, I don't. Thank you. No, I mean I don't think you were wrong. I I don't know. I don't know how much we want to get into that particular tweet that was a month and a half ago. But I know I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> um, go ahead. Just let's talk about it. Let's. What was what was your point that you were trying to make and so compared to where the, we are now? As with most things on the internet, as soon as I tweeted it and started seeing the response, I was like, okay, this is not being received as I meant it. But at that right. point, it's like I can't do anything about it. I'm not gonna delete the tweet and I can't defend it catch all because people will see that tweet, but they won't see my reply. So it's like whatever. I'm just gonna let it go. So my tweet was, can, quote, can I just say if Ray J. Dennis is the Illini point guard target everyone was referring to, that's very underwhelming. That wasn't necessarily a knock on Ray J. Ray J is a, a great point guard. He we Anyone would have loved to have him wearing the orange and blue as the Illinois point guard next season. What I was getting at was he's not good enough to wait for him to make a freaking decision and not go after other point guards. That was my point. It was more a knock on the approach of the coaching staff to finding their point guard than Ray J as a player. Now there was no way after I sent that tweet and they started getting the response that I was going to get that point across to everyone else that saw the tweet, but that's what I was getting at. He's not good enough or Illinois, more so, Illinois wasn't in a position to wait on this dude to make a decision. They had to get a point guard this offseason because look what happened. They let it go on too long. They didn't close the deal. Someone got in his ear or he saw something or heard something from someone that said, you don't want to go to Illinois, whether that be – I honestly don't know what it could have been because everything lined up for him to be a perfect fit at Illinois. So my critique wasn't necessarily against Ray J. It was against the fact 
that you cannot wait on a particular player in this era of the transfer portal. If you have a need, you have to go fill it because look what happens. You don't close it. You let other schools hang around and then you get screwed on June 1st when the guy that you thought was a lock from your state had a connection to your coaching staff goes somewhere else. Yeah, those aren't the words that you tweeted. <laughs> no, I agree. The way I worded it, it made it sound like, and at the time I was probably looking through it as this dude's a, a Mac point guard. You know, he has no power five experience or no high major experience. There was some of that rooted in that tweet that, you know, at the time Caleb Love was out there. There were other um, – who was the other point guard? Uh Armstrong, was that his name? I don't remember. There was a lot of them that were floating yeah. around. So, go ahead. <laughs> um, oh, what was I going to say? Um, the th- so, okay, there's a lot of layers to this. Um, with This is obviously still new to everyone, new to the coaches, new to the players. The transfer portal thing is very new. We're still trying to figure it out. Uh, but there's a lot of layers to all how all of this broke down. I understand your argument, um, you know, for and against Ray J. Dennis. I, I get where you're coming from. What I have been trying to say, and what some people have, you know, also said elsewhere, is that you didn't really know what kind of player you needed. <laughs> You know, there was all this talk about Ray J. Dennis being, you know, the Mac player of the year and he does all these things well. And he might have been great. He might have not been great. But if you knew you were going to get Terrence Shannon back and Coleman Hawkins back, you didn't need a player of the year candidate. You didn't need to have that sort of explosive. You just needed an experienced facilitator. That's all this team needed from the very beginning. But if Terrence Shannon doesn't come back and you lose Jaden Epps, that, that calls for a whole new type of player. And it's there's no perfect solution here. Um, you know, I don't know what Brad and the coaching staff knew. I don't know what the players, the Terrence Shannons of the world and the Coleman Hawkins of the world and the Ray J. Dennis's of the world. I don't know what was going on in all their heads. All we know is what else is being said and put out into the world. Uh, I just can't imagine that it's very difficult to figure out. <laughs> Uh, are very easy to figure out. I think it's probably very difficult to figure out um, because you just don't know. We waited until the absolute last second to know for sure that your two best players were coming back. At that point, you just need a point guard. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's some, you know, if as long as he has some experience at the Division One level in a starting position, I would have been okay with it. So it didn't need to be the MAC Player of the Year. Is that but guy that's... already on the team by the name of Justin Harmon? He's not a point guard. Is he? Uh... I don't think he's a point guard. I thought I... he was a point guard. Nothing I have seen or read about that guy says that he's a point guard. If he is, then he's very turnover prone. Um, I don't think I don't think Justin Harmon is a point guard. He might be a secondary ball handler. He might be you know, the backup guy coming off the bench. But I don't think Justin Harmon was recruited with the idea of him being this team's starting point guard in November. I don't think that was at all ever the plan, would be my guess. 
I don't think he's that type of player. Um, so I don't know. I, I can't defend any of it. I don't know everything. Uh, I know you put the comment up here. So I do want to touch on this thing. Um, Jay, welcome, Jay. Thank you for still here. Thanks for, for chiming in here. Jay asks, so do the return of Hawkins and, and Terrence have the impact, have an impact on Ray J coming here? My thought, and I don't know if this, I have no evidence to prove this. I have not asked people. I don't, haven't heard people talk about this. I wonder if, if they did have a negative impact financially. Oh. Would be my guess. I don't know that for sure. I don't know what sort yeah. of dollars through the NIL collective at Illinois are being offered to certain players. But is it possible that there was only a certain amount of dollars that they were able to to offer up to players? And when you get both of them back, you may not have had the number to match what what Ray J wanted. Yeah, is that possible? I mean, I'm just Very. or I, I mean, I could be. I'm just, I'm just saying this. I've not heard this. I don't know. I, I'm not. And I'm, I'm sure kind of speculating, but to get Coleman and Terrence to come back, the number that they were told on May 30th was probably larger than the number they were told on May 15th. Probably, you know? yeah. Um, another negative impact, and that I was going to say was if Ray J wanted to put up the numbers that he did at Toledo, yeah, he, he wasn't going to average 19 at Illinois with Terrence no. and Coleman back. So no. Terrence and Coleman coming back might have yeah negatively impacted Illinois because yeah. if Ray J wanted to prove that he could be freaking Damian Lillard or something and, and score 20 in the Big Ten, he wasn't going to do that with Hawkins and, and Shannon. So yeah. it could have had a negative impact where we thought it would have a positive. So yeah. it just depended on what Ray J was prioritizing when making right. his decision. So we don't know. We may never know about no. all the decisions that went down here. Um, I don't know what was going on. If every, you want to know, heads. I'm sure Derek Piper will have some sort of write-up because yes. he was all over it. Yes. I'm sure at some point there and will I'm be sure some information great stories. Yes. Um, but that's where we stand right now. Um, Illinois did pivot after immediately after the Ray J Dennis thing. And they did announce that they, that they signed Jeremiah Williams, uh, to, to join them in Champaign. Uh, Williams, another Chicago kid, uh, played at, uh, Temple for a couple years, uh, then transferred last year. Illinois was in the mix last year, um, but lost him to Iowa state. He then, uh, got hurt towards ACL, um, before the season even started. So didn't, didn't even play a second of basketball last year, transfer entered the portal again, and now is coming back to Champaign. Uh, Jeremiah Williams, I guess can be considered a point guard. Uh, I think he's the closest thing to a point guard. This team has, um, he's a six, four guard. He's a good defender. Um, he's not much of a shooter, which was obviously the other big hole this team needed to fill. And they really didn't. Um, but there's a couple different issues here with Jeremiah Williams. One, uh, he's coming off an ACL tear, so you do Achilles. not know what health will, how his health will be. Come, huh? Achilles. Achilles. Whatever. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and so you don't know what his health, health situation is going to be. Um, and then there's the whole thing where he's already transferred once, so he's going to require a waiver. Uh, there is absolutely no guarantee that this man's going to play a game next year, really. Yeah. Granted, he does still have two more years at least after this, I think. Um, I think he can get a medical for last year. 
Yeah. So there's there's multiple years ahead of him. So even if he doesn't play this year, you have him for the future, which is part of why they wanted to get him anyway. Uh, but there's nothing guaranteeing that he will step on the court for the Illini this year. So, um, I mean, I guess it's a decent fallback plan. I think it would have made more sense had you already still had you still gotten Ray J. Uh, but at that point, there's there's other issues here because now the roster is absolutely full. Yep. Um, so we'll see. Uh, the Jeremiah Williams thing was kind of a, a bomb that I don't think anybody saw coming, but I think everybody's attention was on Terrence Shannon. Uh, Coleman Hawkins and Ray J Dennis that they didn't even really uh, think about what else could be happening. Um, but Jeremiah Williams is currently the 13th and final man on the roster as we stand right now. Um, if he's healthy, if he's able to play, you can probably pencil him into be your starting point guard. Uh, I don't know that I love it, but I think that's where you're, what you're looking at right now, but we don't know the health situation and we don't know when the waiver will get, approved or whatever um so that's where we are um i don't know what happens next uh word on the street around the message boards is that possible another spot opens up i wouldn't count on that um but it's possible and if that's the case who knows this team still is in desperate need of an experienced point guard but i don't know the ones out there that is an actual logistical option for Illinois. Yep. Um, yep. I think the most interesting thing I've taken away from the last, what, five days, week, listening to Coleman Hawkins on Tan Piper, and Derek Piper got a very interesting answer out of him when asked about the approach to this year as opposed to last year. Yep. And Coleman basically said that we babied some guys to cater to them and then they bailed on us and all of that. Um, not word for word. Go listen. To, I'm sure Tay and Piper have their uh, their shows archived or podcast. It was last yep. Thursday, so it would have been like June 1st. You can listen to the podcast one. That's how it. I listen to it. Over the yeah. Um, it's a very candid answer that I, that's my biggest takeaway of the offseason was that last year they basically let the couple players do whatever they want, and they babied them, and they didn't coach them hard, and – and that's what happened. We know what happened. So yeah. hopefully this year is different because I think that was our biggest critique of last year. Um, and yeah, we'll go from there. So just to kind of reset the roster right now, as I said, all 13 scholarship roster spots are full. I got something else um, when you're done. Do what? I got something else when you're done going over this. Um, you have four guys that are fifth year players. Uh, Terrence Shannon, Marcus Damas, Quincy Garrier, and Justin Harmon. You have a fourth-year player in Coleman Hawkins. Uh, you have three guys that have at least two years, I think. That's where Jeremiah Williams, Luke Goody, and Dane Danger fit. Then you have Sincere Harris and Ty Rogers. And then you have three freshmen, Nico Moretti, who redshirted last year, Dre Gibbs, Lawhorn, and Amani Hansberry. I, I don't hate the roster construction. Uh, it just you didn't fill the holes you really needed to fill. <laughs> That's that the problem. was the other That's thing. The problem. But before I get to that, uh, Coleman is the first four-year Brad Underwood player, yeah. which when he announced that was all over the thing. But what did I text you a couple days ago when we were talking about the roster? They, the they two biggest the needs guard, going into needed the ball handler, needed a was, facilitator, and you needed shooters. And have they addressed either of those? Not really. No. Exactly. No. So, But they do have more experience. So They do have more experience. Um, I don't, you know, 
you and I are probably more familiar with Marcus Damask than most people that are watching yeah. and listening to this show. Um, I He's not a point guard and he's not a shooter no. necessarily, but I think he can, he can do things. He's probably going to be a better player than some people want to give him credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know that you can necessarily write him in pen that he'll be a starter to start this season, to start the season, but I think you can pencil him in uh, into that mix. I think him and Shannon and Coleman, I would pencil into those to three of the five spots. I think Gary A or it'd be Gary or Dane will be your, your, your other post player. And then if he's healthy, I guess it's Jeremiah Williams at the point, unless they add somebody else. Um, if it's not Justin Harmon or Ty Rogers are probably your point guards, yeah. um, which I, I have been, I have been a little, I think Ty Rogers could do that, but he's not really to that. He's not a point guard right now, but I think he could be a facilitator for this team. Um, we'll see how much they rely on him to do that. So my question is, is this now a sincere Harris Jersey or is this a Marcus Damask Jersey? <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who's going to wear the number one uh, that year, next year. Yes. That was sincere's Jersey last year. Damask wore one at, at Southern. Um, so yeah, that's a that's a good question. I don't know. Um, all right, we've been talking about Illinois basketball for about thirty minutes. Move you on. have something, anything else Illinois basketball related that we need to touch on? Andre Curbelo, yeah, going to Southern Man. Miss. Uh, okay. It's fine. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not upset. A little upset. I'm not upset. Um, yeah, we'll we'll see. There could be more, but I would say there's probably not more. Yeah. I would venture to guess this is the roster going into the season, but. I've been surprised before. Um, let's move on, shall we? Let's Already move on. have. Um, okay, the, the big sports news from today, the bomb that was dropped on the entire sports world, not just the golf world, uh, but the – what are we calling this? Collaboration merge. between – it's, it's, this is a full-on merge yep. of uh, PGA and Live Golf. So after, and DP World Tour. The right after all the drama over the course of the last 12 months, however long this has been going on, I think two years, um, with Live Golf stepping in and paying PGA guys to come over to the dark side and you know everything else, and now, um, now it's just all one. Um, I just I love the the are you an office guy? Are, are yeah. you? So you, you understand the Michael Scott paper company, yeah. like it's just, it is perfect. Yeah. It took me a second to really like connect all the dots, but I'm like, yeah, that's what this is. Um, Explain it in layman's terms because most people don't. In the office, Michael Scott, Steve Carell's character, uh, was in chart, was the branch manager for Dunder Mifflin. He decided to form his own company, the Michael Scott paper company took a couple of his employees with him. Uh, that story arc lasted about, I don't know, three, four or five episodes. And then at the end, basically Michael Scott, his the Michael Scott paper company was just, wasn't really a true competitor, but they were causing enough pain and stress for Dunder Mifflin that Dunder Mifflin had really had no choice, but to essentially just bring them back into the fold and essentially buy them out. So that's pretty much what Liv has done uh, at this point. So, um, I will open this up to you now. You are the you are the expert. This is your world. Um, I don't know if you know answers to questions, uh, but like, what's happening here? What is this? 
it's exactly what Liv wanted. It's exactly what the guys associated with Liv wanted. They were unhappy with the PGA Tour, the way that they were treating the players, the way that things worked. They were offered 50 times the money they were making on the PGA Tour to play less, to travel less, to be with their families more. And they took it, hoping to impact some change, and that change is here. That I And obviously there's so much that happened that I'm not going to be able to cover it all. My brain has been mush since this morning trying to wrap my head around it all. Um, but essentially, Liv and all of their guys that took the money come out looking like roses because Jay Monahan, who is the CEO of the PGA Tour, just completely sold out and drug every single player that stuck with his tour and stuck by him, drug them through the absolute mud because those dudes turned down nine-figure deals to stick with the PGA Tour on their loyalty. And this is where all of the history and prestige of golf is on the PGA Tour, not Live Tour. You know, PGA Tour plays 72 holes, four rounds. Live Tour plays 54 holes, three rounds. Shotgun starts, just not a true tournament. And then in the blink of an eye, snap of a finger, Jay Monahan's like, well, you know what? We're going to partner with them now. It just doesn't make sense. I don't know how Jay Monahan survives this. I know he's behind the deal. I've been bookmarking tweets all day to go back and read them out. But I just like, I know you have questions and I hope, want you to throw them out there because I kind of want to try and wrap my head around and try and answer these to maybe think more. But um, just bl- absolutely blindsided. I sent it to Christy. I said I was flabbergasted was the word I used because – Never, no one saw this coming. No one saw this coming. They said uh, Monahan spoke to the media just 30 minutes ago, an hour ago, after a players' meeting with the PGA players. And Monahan said it was him, two people from the PGA Tour, and two people from um, the PIF, the Private Investment Fund. Um, and that's who made the decision. There were no PGA players involved. Tiger Woods did not know. Roy McIlroy has been carrying the PGA torch. He had no idea. No one on Live knew. Greg Norman, the CEO of Live, had no clue. And that's the other thing is that Live is not included in this. This is the PIF. So this is not the PGA Tour and Live combining. This is the PIF who funds Live Golf partnering with the PGA Tour to form a new company which is just like, that was the whole crux, I think. And that was my big issue, was the whole moral of live was that you're getting your money from these murderers and these people who don't give women any rights and these people who who killed that uh, American journalist not too long ago. Like, those are the people that are funding Live Golf. Now they are running the golf world in, it, in its entirety. They run the PGA Tour. They run every pretty much golf event that's going to go on is going to be funded by the Saudis and the private investment fund, which is what caused everyone to go up in arms when live started. So, so bad luck, bad business is kind of what I've been telling people. I don't like the whole winners and losers thing. Um, I just, yeah, go ahead. But like who comes out of this looking good? We'll say 
Phil Mickelson, Brooks Kepka, Bryce. So the people, the guys that left, the guys, the guys that, that switched to live because they went, they got their bag. They got suspended from the PGA tour, but now they're going to get right back on it. They went and got their nine figure contracts uh, played. They didn't miss any majors. They were not suspended from the majors. They still got to play in the big tournaments. And then they went and played in those fun live events for a year. And now after they get, after they imply for reinstatement and get approved, they're back on the PGA tour. Like nothing happened except they're $150 million richer. I don't know. I'm still just trying to wrap my head around all this. Like I've been to answer the other half. The losers are Rory, Colin, Morikawa, Thomas that stayed. Now there are, tweets and reports out there saying that those guys will be compensated similarly to what they would have gotten if they had left, but you're not going to compensate every PGA golfer a hundred yeah. million dollars. That's where that was a lot of where my other, my other questions were that I didn't say on the show, but when yeah. I initially saw this, it was like, these guys were, yeah, as you talked about getting these huge paydays. So like what happens to the guys that, chose not to do that and now like, yeah. that just doesn't seem there are also reports that the guys that did go to live are going to have to pay some sort of fine to the pga for leaving before they get reinstated but it's not going to be it's going to be like pennies compared to what they got um so basically it boils down to the private investment fund from saudi arabia is now running golf they are funding golf and have a say in what happens in all of golf. Now, as hard as it's going to be for be for me to do, because I was so anti live, you know, I do a, I've told you every major I do like these pools that I pick six golfers and whatever, since the formed, I've never picked a live golfer in any of the majors. And obviously I've never watched any, live event because they're on the CW and I don't even know what channel that is, but um, it's like that moral compass of, are you going to support this or are you just not going to watch golf? Because if you watch any golf, you're supporting the PIF. So it's like, it's kind of like you got to come to terms with these horrible people are running your favorite sport right now. So is the other loser in all this, the CW? (laughs) Well, and that's another thing. I, I doubt it happens, but like, is ESPN going to want the broadcast rights to to this if it's funded by these people? You know, like, are are they going to get TV deals and take? I mean, money what do you do? Take this blood money? What, you know, I mean, I know you made the comment on Twitter about you wouldn't blame it if all these guys just retired today and just were done with it. But like, what? I mean, what do you do? Yeah, what, and I mean, what is I the other it, option here? I, I think that might be something, and I wouldn't say retire, but like if I'm a PGA Tour player that has stuck by that tour and Jay Monahan, the CEO, and then this happens, I could see them banding together and being like, we are not playing until Monahan's out because this was him. This was it. He didn't tell anybody. It was five guys in a room that made a decision, then they went golfing together and had lunch, and then they signed the papers. I mean, it's not official yet, but they have said that, like, there's no reason that it's not going to be, and I have no reason to believe it's not going to be. But, like, this is a dude, and if if you just Google Jay Monahan 
look at the, some of the stuff he said a year ago and some of the stuff he said today, like he straight up said in an interview with Jim Nance, have you ever had to apologize to someone for playing on the PGA tour? Like people are having to apologize for playing on the live tour. Like that's just like scratching the surface of what he said about live. So what a mess. the end of the story is like I just said, PIF is funding all of golf and money always wins. I mean, that's the moral of the story. The money is always going to win because that's what it comes down to. Do the fans win here? Does anybody, I mean, you, that's, you a, that's what I was getting at with Does, my do whole the fans win. That's what I was getting at with my whole, you know, are you going to watch if you watch you're supporting this? My biggest issue with live what right, right above the, you know, live is funded by blood money. My biggest issue was I don't want to see, or I want to see Brooks and Phil and Dustin Johnson and Cam Smith against Rory and Colin Morikawa and Justin Thomas and Jordan Smith every week. I don't just want to see that four right. times a year at the majors. Right. I want to see that every week. And that's what you're going to get. Right now. I don't know how the format's going to work because in the release or what they said was, you know, live had a team aspect that the PGA tour said they're now going to look into. So there might be some sort of team aspect with PGA. There might be, be kind of more loose crowds. I know a couple of their tournaments, they were playing music and all that kind of stuff in live. I don't know how much of the live formats going to migrate to the PGA tour. Um, it's, there's a lot of details still to come out that eventually I think everyone will get over. It's just the initial, like you're getting in bed with some bad people type of thing. And then eventually it'll fly over and everyone will go back to, watching the golf and and all of that now i don't know it's still the pga tour you know this merger isn't live golf and the pga tour forming like the liv pga tour you know it's still going to be the pga tour it's just this new company is who runs the pga tour so i don't know i feel like i'm talking in circles it's okay this is why we're doing this today (laughs) i knew you needed a place to talk so um, all right. Yeah, it's a mess. Um, what a weird day. What a weird day for sports and golf and anybody that watches or cares because just just wow. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's move on to the third main topic we wanted to talk about today uh, before we shut this thing down. We've been going here for about an hour. So uh, Ted Lasso. Uh, Ted Lasso uh, finished up its third and maybe final season uh, a week ago. Uh, we'll, I know. We'll get to that. Um I, I think I know what's going on there. Um, <laughs> they finished up their third and maybe final season last week. Uh, you and I have been watching it from the beginning. I know we've both been big fans of the show uh, throughout its run. One of us has felt a little more positive throughout most of the show than the other, but that's really not all that important. Um, yes, Craig with his Believe shot glass. How many, different, turned around. how many uh, different Ted Lasso-related uh, merchandise things uh, do you own? I think just three. I bought the t-shirt and the sweatshirt last year when I was when I went as him for Halloween and then I just have that. I've been wanting to like update it with like since they're outfitted by Nike now. Yeah. I've been wanting to get some legit Nike stuff because the quality I want of that stuff jacket. last year is I've, really bad. I've said it on Twitter a couple times now and I got Nike to tweet back at me because they thought that I was I don't know 
Mikey thoughts, but uh, the new the new jacket that the coaches were wearing at the end, I, I really want that. Yeah. Um, but yes, so Ted Lasso just ended. Um, I guess spoilers uh, warning if you are watching Ted Lasso and not caught up to the end of the season slash series question mark. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts because I know you have been you have told me uh, it is your favorite TV show of all time. Um, so I would love to hear your thoughts on the show or do you want me to go first? How, how do you want to do this? I'll go first. Cause okay. I mean, I don't have a ton. I just okay. think that as I tweeted, as I watched, as we watched the very last episode, I tweeted it right as it was over. It was the perfect show at the perfect time in the world. You know, we were at a time when it came out, I think we were in COVID. I don't know if we had gone out of quarantine completely yet. I, I don't but we were what, still in exactly COVID, and I just felt like the way that every episode had some sort of message that at the end you understood what that message was of that episode. Now, was every single storyline and plotline perfect? No, but I just felt like even this season, I know this season got a lot of flack, and I think you're going to touch on some of that. I saw Jeff D'Lo from Twitter touched on some of that. Even the bad episodes, I walked away or I turned it off understanding what the, the, the theme of the episode was and how they went about it. The one I'm talking about was the one in Amsterdam or whatever. Did not like that episode. But even the last five minutes of it, I was like, holy cow, right. that was really good. So I just, I just thought it was perfect for the time. I loved how all the callbacks to either old shows or old roles by those actors or um, old episodes. Even the finale had so many callbacks to the first season that I'm like, how, how does Jason Sudeikis and Brendan hunt and the right, how do they remember? Like, are they thinking when they're writing the first episode that in the finale, let's reference back to this, or are they like writing the last episode and being like, Oh, remember when we talked about that in the first episode, let's make sure we connect those dots, you know? I just love 99.999% of the show and I, it will be rewatched many, many times. So I don't really know how to, how to prove my point that it's my favorite show ever or how to justify it. But I thoroughly enjoyed all whatever, 30 episodes, 36 episodes. Yeah. No, I get it. I'm not, I'm not going to poo poo on your parade. Um, I, I enjoyed Ted Lasso. Um, you know, if I didn't, I would have stopped watching it. Um, I, I did thoroughly enjoy it for all three seasons. Um, I thought season one was perfect. I thought timing when it came out, I thought the style that they did it. Um, I thought what it was about. I loved season one of Ted Lasso season two and season three to me got more and more messy as we went along. Um, I agree with what you're saying that even during, even when I didn't think the episodes themselves worked particularly as well, I still finished it with a smile on my face. So I guess if that's the purpose of the show, then it succeeded. Um, I wasn't particularly a fan that, it changed directions after the first season. I mean, it went from being a 30 minute situational comedy 
to being 45 to 60 minutes of dramedy. I mean, it, it was it was a tonal shift after the first season. Um, now, admittedly, I have not gone back and rewatched any of it. Uh, I've just watched each episode once when they came out. I have watched scenes and things uh, repeated times, but I've not rewatched the show. But season one was it's it was a sitcom. It was a it was a workplace com- uh, comedy, just like you get with The Office and with Parks and Recreation and Thirty Rock. It was that's what it was. It was thirty minutes. It was crisp. It was good comedy. It had heart. It had a little bit of drama, but like comedy drama. But then after season one, really, I mean, definitely season three. I don't remember exactly how season two shook out, but the episodes just got progressively longer, which is something you can do in the world of streaming. That's not something you could have gotten away with on network television or cable television. So you can get away with that now. And I know it's a lot of people that didn't matter. Um, I, it's not something that I felt like was a big drawback for me, but I just, I just felt it was such a strange shift. Um, my other biggest negative thing about the show was I thought the Nate arc would make more sense. Yeah. And it didn't. Yep. It, the Nate arc did not make any sense to me. Um, and maybe this part of this is because, and this happens all the time with TV shows. This is not something that is a Ted Lasso problem, but each as each season, as the episodes got longer, they gave more characters, more stories and more arc, which is fine. I love getting to learn, getting to meet and getting to spend time with each individual characters, players on the team, other personnel, whatever. Uh, but it took away from, I think what I think were the more important storylines, mm-hmm. the Nate, I loved Nate's character in season one. I liked the direction they took him in season two. I obviously knew where Nate's character was going to end in season three. That was very much telegraphed to me. Like it's obvious what, where we're going to go here, Yeah. but like it made no sense how we got there. And I think that was the biggest issue for me is that was supposed to be like, you know, the biggest story outside of like Ted himself was, was the arc that Nate went on and it just, it made no sense. Yeah, um, I almost wish they out. would have made him more villain. Yeah, yeah, but they made—I mean, they—they they did kind of make him the villain at the end of season two, and then in season three, I guess Rupert was the villain, really more so than than Nate. I don't know that—that that could be like a minor thing. I mean, it's not a minor thing; it's—it's it's a rather major thing in my opinion. But yeah. I mean, that doesn't like make it so that I hate the show by any means. That was just like my biggest negative thing. I don't think we needed all the storylines. I don't know that we needed Keeley's business. Like there was, there were certain things that I just, you know, I didn't feel like we really needed in the show. Yeah. Uh, but I, as I said, I left, I ended every episode with a smile on my face. Um, even if I didn't love everything about that particular episode, I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I didn't, I was pretty sure where the show was going to end. I think Jason Sudeikis has made it very clear that he was three seasons and out. Yeah. Um, that's where a lot of the confusion has been amongst, you know, the fan base is like, is this the last season? Is this not the last season in Jason Sudeikis's mind? This was the last season, but as far as Apple is concerned, they need Ted Lasso as if Apple TV, Apple TV, Ted Lasso is their biggest property mm-hmm. and they want to keep it going as long as they can. Yeah. So 
Jason Sudeikis is done with Ted Lasso. I mean, he might appear in a cameo or something, you know, but as far as the Ted Lasso arc, his character is done. Yep. What that means for the future of the show, I don't know. Obviously, it can't be called Ted Lasso if Ted Lasso doesn't appear in the show. Uh, but there may be more seasons. They they set up a lot of different possible spinoffs or sequels or storylines they could do in the future. And we might see them do that. But I do think Jason Sudeikis is done with the show. Yeah, I, I that was when it was announced that, the, you know, that they see it as a three season show. That was my first thought was that the show is not ending. Just Jason and whoever want to be done with it are going to be done with right. it. And they're going to find out, find a way to keep it going. Um, which, yeah, I think the women's team is probably going to get a spinoff there. And then I think they're going to continue with AFC Richmond with some iteration of Roy and Nate and maybe beard um, yep. continuing to, to do basically the same show just without yep. Jason Sudeikis. Um, what do you think of the theory I found on the Wizard of Oz? I love the Wizard of Oz theory. I wish that that would have actually played into more of it, um, because I think it made too much sense. I didn't think they were he was right? going to end up and it would be a dream. No, I thought I didn't that either. was ridiculous. But um, yeah, there were, and that was intentional. There was yeah, obviously totally. a lot of Wizard of Oz connections on totally. the show, and you know, and they they knew what they they knew what they were doing. I mean, they, yeah. um, you know, it was the creative team. You know, Sudeikis and and um, Brendan Hunt and uh, Bill Lawrence and uh, Joe Kelly. Um, they knew what they were doing when they created the show. They everything was thought out. Uh, I don't know if back to my comment about the the length of episodes and things. I don't know if that was intended. I, that's the thing that you don't see that. Like that's just not something shows do. What they don't turn from a thirty minute sit- oh. sitcom to forty five minute dramedy after one season. Yeah, so like, I'm wondering I don't know if, if they just saw the impact. The if they just saw the impact that Could the be. show was having, and they were like, "We can expand on this and make every right. every episode mean a little bit more." Right. But um, no, it's it's great. I I, I did have enjoyed it. I did have like two pretty big critiques of the finale itself. Okay, let's hear it. I thought that the fight with Roy and Jamie over Keely was totally unnecessary. Dumb. After all the reconciling they did with each other uh, to fight over her was totally unnecessary and not warranted. And I wish we would have seen the initial conversation between Ted and Rebecca. Yep. Yep. I agree. And I had someone message me um, that they were totally fooled by the opening scene where they were in the house together. Were you fooled? I mean, for a second, I mean, at first maybe, but right yeah, away. I, 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 I was like, no, there's no way. Because yeah, I mean, that's I, the other thing. Like, I everyone, say... everyone was like, how do you not let Ted and Rebecca end up together? Spoiler alert. No, that made no sense. It, never once in the entire show did I think they had that sort of chemistry. Well, I disagree. I, well, I don't know if I disagree. I did think at various times that they did have that chemistry but the show never went that direction yeah. so if that's how it would have ended that would have made no sense yes like had they made the conscious decision to do that and show you things along the way i would have been okay with it because yeah. i did think they had that kind of chemistry at times but they made no effort to show that so yes if that's how it ended i would not i yeah i agree with you i don't think i i i don't think i totally bought into it i know what you're saying now i at first, I'm, I probably thought, 
okay really uh but no i yeah, yeah. i that made that would have made no sense i yeah i would do that yep um all right i mean i can talk about it for an hour but any do you want to keep talking about it no i got i got stuff to do <laughs> all right um anything else we need to touch on we're a little over an hour now. We've talked about the three main things we wanted to talk about. Uh, baseball season's not going really well for either of us. No. Uh, Ellie De La Cruz is making his debut today for the Reds. Yeah, how about Happened that? I snagged him about 9.45 this morning. Just kind of thought at some point he's coming up. And sure is. Guess, sure who, uh, guess who was going to go watch him on Sunday in Louisville? Mm, in Louisville. And then something came up and we weren't able to go. And now he's not playing for Louisville. Well, I guess you just got to drive to Cincinnati, which I have been known to do. I know. Weren't you there not long ago? Yeah, we went to the Cardinal Cardinal game a couple two weeks ago. All right, yeah. All right, Craig. Um, I think we should probably shut this thing down. Thank you to everyone that uh, jumped in here uh, into the comment section. I know we didn't get to everything, but uh, appreciate you. Um, appreciate everybody for watching, for listening. Whenever you listen, whether you're live or checking us out later on YouTube or on Spotify or Apple, wherever you get your podcasts, thank you very much. Craig, thank you to you. Uh, I don't know when we'll do this again. It, it could be in a week. It could be in a month. Who knows? Um, I know you got a lot of stuff going on. I'm excited to see you here in a few weeks. Um, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, yeah. Oh, real quick. Shout out Mike Reese. Yeah, uh, Mike Reese, voice of the Salukis, announced yeah. his retirement last week. While all the other college basketball news was was going around, uh, Mike Reese dropped uh, dropped that bomb. I know somebody that's been very important to both of our careers. Uh, you, especially, you know, growing up in Southern Illinois, listening to his broadcast. Yeah. Uh, I met Mike Reese for the first time when I was in junior high, or maybe probably probably high school. Uh, he came to the sports announcers camp that I was attending. Him and Dave Snell from, from Bradley uh, made the drive to Danville to speak to a bunch of junior high and high school kids for an hour or two. Um, so that's the first time I met Mike Reese. It's a very famous picture now in, in Reese and I's relationship because I always like to share it every couple years on his birthday. Um, but yeah, he's been, been huge for me as well. And uh, I wanted to give him proper love for many years behind the mic for the Salukis. He's been a very important person to a lot of people. And wish him nothing but the best. And I fear for the person who has to replace him. I volunteer. Do you? <laughs> did you submit your application? Your resume? No, I did not. The uh, I did radio one year for football. Former voice of the Murphy Red Devils. Murphy Red Devils. And yep. after the season, I went to the station to ask for the tapes to put a resume together. And they didn't record any of the games. So I have zero evidence <laughs> of me ever calling uh, radio. Probably. Probably for okay. the better. So, <laughs> me and Rob Jesselson and I think Curtis did some games. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember. All right, let's shut this thing down. Yeah. For Craig, I'm Logan. This has been No One Asked Us. We'll see you soon. Uh, don't know when. Follow us on Twitter, social media, all that stuff. Bye. <laughs>